yo, yo, it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. Man, am I excited about our guest today. Let me tell you a little bit about him. So he's the founder of 24 different companies in high-tech consumer goods and health and manufacturing. So the products have been sold in more than 11,000 stores in 23 different countries. We got users of these tech products in 148 countries across the globe. The, across the globe. Now, let me say this, the latest product is the one that makes me think of an overcomer story. Because many times people come to us at Journey wanting to start a franchise, but they don't have all the resources. They sure. need to get creative in their financing. And so Gusher is Chris Joyce's latest startup. It's simple, quick and easy way to create and build a startup without the need for investors, without the need for capital. How? Well, Gusher helps entrepreneurs create and launch startups using performance-based equity. Everything from technology, media, and health and design, and finance and gaming. So Chris Joyce, I can't wait to have you tell our audience all about this. Welcome sure. to the show. I'm happy to be here, Travis. Happy to be here. Well, man, this is an important obstacle that I, now that I'm a franchisor, right potential franchisees all the time, and they have to kind of put their finances together to have that startup company. Um, this is an obstacle that I've had very uh, many, many personal experiences with. So sure. uh, yeah, so can you tell me a little bit about your new company? Sure. Well, Gusher is a platform to launch companies without the need for capital, without the need for investors. People join a company in exchange for performance-based equity. So they don't get a damn thing unless the company is able to achieve its goals, able to achieve uh, a launch and get out there into the marketplace. And same thing with us. We're actually performance-based equity players also. So what I usually say to founders is, if you had a million or two million in the bank account, right this second, what type of company would you build? How would you build it? And then gusher that because we do it all day, every day. We've got uh, companies in every damn vertical, everything from B2B, B2C, B2B2C, even B2G, uh, business to government, uh, everything from consumer goods, manufacturing, SaaS, FinTech, AR, VR, AI, gaming, medical devices, prop tech, you name it, we've got it. More importantly, when you really use this type of system, the success rates go through the roof. We've got greater than an 80% success rate where these companies either become self-sustaining and or attract larger scale capital, which is unbeatable across anything out there. So it's really just a way for anybody, regardless of their geographic location, they don't have to be in Silicon Valley, New York or Israel, uh, which accounts for 95% of all venture capital dollars. They didn't have to attend Stanford and wear a hoodie. Uh, they don't have to be 20 years old. They can be uh, 70, 80 years old. We've actually had successful founders that old. Uh, they can be located anywhere across the globe. And so it's a way just to start a company where money is not the barrier any longer. And it should never have been. It's just a way to get your company launched. Wow, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. You know, there's less entrepreneurship going on in the world. And, you know, the number one reason why is that people don't think that they have the money to make the shift. Sure. You know? So 
Um, let's talk a little bit about like, can we define performance-based equity a little bit? Sure. So think of it this way. Now you can call it sweat equity, but sweat equity is kind of like it's perceived as a certain way of, of an almost in a way like you're going to put time in and you get a piece of the pie. Ours isn't about time. Ours is about performance. So like, for instance, uh, let's say you're starting, I don't know, let's say a gym company. All right. And let's say with a gym company, there may be a tremendous amount of legal expense or something like that. Well, instead of having to cut a, 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 an attorney a check to go ahead and get them involved, well, you bring them in for performance-based equity. To file patents or something, instead of having to come up with 20 or 30 grand, they may get half a tick or 1% of your company. If you need a front-end or back-end developer, well, they come in, they get a certain percentage of the company. If you need your marketing, your CMO, your CFO, your CTO, all these different people typically make up how to start a company the correct way. Well, instead of needing a million or two million to pay for their salaries right off the bat, they join your company because they believe in it and because your idea is something they relate to and they have an ownership in the company, but only so long as they achieve their goals, whatever those goals are that you define and you define with your team. So we usually help a, a company out to actually really define those goals and get in the nitty gritty of what's needed. Wow, that sounds really awesome. Because right now as a franchisor, let me tell you, becoming a franchise is not a, an inexpensive thing to do. Like in it's fact- It's not a quick thing to do. No, yeah. it's not a quick thing. It's long. You have to create a document called an FDD, a franchise disclosure document. Yep. You have to hire, you know, hire an attorney as a buyer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Then you have to qualify. Then you have to do all these other things. Yeah. Well, we had our first attorney not really know how to put together an FDD. So then we actually did have to fire one and hire another. But yep. point being, um, you know, you go through this process and I mean, it could amount to hundreds of thousands of dollars Easily. to get these key players. Um, so I'm assuming then that Gusher helps you to structure such membership agreements. Like there's an LLC and you're basically sure. saying somebody can be a member at a certain amount of shares for completing a certain project or performing a certain skill or, or you know. Exactly. Now, now with, with us, we're primarily, and it's one thing that we may be changing in the future, but we're corporation oriented. So, you know, I, I, an LLC is fine for certain structures, but typically if you're going down this path where you may eventually seek financing, you may uh, eventually grow a certain, uh, a certain way, usually a corporation, not to get in the nitty gritty of it, it's required. It, it actually helps with an equity share because as you stated, uh, with an LLC, you deal with membership units, which opens up a whole nother bag of worms typically, uh, but it only allows a certain amount of people as investors to be involved with it. And so most of our companies that we deal with, they end up taking an investment round down the path. But what we help with is really not just the recruiting, but the processes. So when you go ahead and you started that first uh, deal with the attorney, the first attorney, this attorney said, hey, or he wasn't qualified really to do it. You had to fire him. Well, when you went ahead and had these certain expenses, these, these outrageous, not only say outrageous legal fees, but they are, they get pretty damn big. Oh, In sure. that case, is an attorney going ahead and come on for performance-based equity where they're creating your FDD? Are they going to do it for a company that they don't believe in? Or are they going to go ahead and do it for a company that they only believe in? Meaning that an attorney will take money from anybody to do anything, all right? But for one to actually join your company and do the FDD, they fundamentally have to believe in you and the concept to extend themselves out there. 
So what it does is it makes a team of like-minded people. It vets your idea in the early stages before you've actually committed money to it so that you can actually see, is this able to get people that are involved in it? Is the idea itself saleable? Is it something that, that people that are great at what they do, that they see what we're doing and want to be involved with it? And that's, that's a big, big thing. Saves you money and time. Really interesting, really interesting. So um, how does it work then that somebody, you know, what I really like about what you were just describing too, by the way, let me say this, is that somebody gets to keep on pitching their business model because they have to expect somebody to believe in it enough to want to essentially partner with them. So, I mean, they're really getting a lot of testing up front, you know, like some, yep. test, some of us that just march straight forward and don't ever have to pitch our idea before we're kind of off and running. Um, sure. you know, and get that kind of feedback. So I do like the, the fact that people have to believe in you enough to want to partner with your idea. I think that's some good testing. And then what does it look like, you know, to have Gusher involved in your business? You know, what are like yeah. some of the, um, some of the guidance that you can expect or. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first thing we break it down into create, recruit, develop, and launch. So the creation stage is where you're putting something on Gusher, the, the description of what your company, what you're looking to do, the roles and so forth. And we walk through people, uh, literally that step-by-step. -step. There's a very specific process. The recruiting stage is where the, the founders are separated from the wannabe founders, okay? So recruiting on Gusher, we have a saying, one plus one equals done, all right? What do we mean by that? That when a founder is able to recruit one person, and this is all it takes, one person for performance-based equity, then they're able to get the rest of the team. Those are the companies that are off to the races. They're typically able to launch. Those are the companies that become self-sustaining or they're able to get investors from it. If they're not able to recruit, uh, that really, the, the ideas die on the vine. But we also walk them through how to recruit, what to do, et cetera. So let me give you a quick example. There's a company on our platform called Happy Howl. And Happy Howl is run by a founder called Colin Buckley. So Colin put up his deal. He had a sick dog. A vet came to him and said, hey, uh, go ahead uh, and, and put your sick dog on this dog food, then have him eat this dog food. Kept eating this dog food, other dog foods, and the dog kept dying. So Colin had his back against the wall, decided to hack a dog food. Uh, literally over uh, three, four, five months, the dog slowly started to come to life. And he said, huh, I want to go ahead and start a, a dog food company. Now, this is one of the most capital intensive industries there is. It's a red ocean industry. There, it, it's brutal. There's big players in it that dominate everything. So he puts it up on Gusher. He brings in these people that have managed 50 million, 100 million, $200 million budgets, companies that you know, that you have in your cupboard. And literally six weeks later, the company fails miserably. It, it implodes. Right. Now, follow me here. He, follow, he literally goes ahead the second time he does what I tell him to do. And so founders sometimes are like cats. They, they really don't listen to you. But he came around, he listened to us. So he goes ahead, his second team all had something in common now. A year later, they're worth more than $10 million. They're growing 30% month over month. They just got another deal for about 3,500 stores from one of the largest retailers in the country, and they're kicking ass, literally kicking butt. So his second team, now this is not a trick question, Travis. His second team all had something in common that the first team did not. This is a dog food company. 
Now, Travis, do you have any idea what they all had in common? They all have dogs. <laughs> they all have dogs. They aren't just dog owners. They are dog parents. They didn't have kids, okay? So they ate dog. They breathed dog. They lived dog. They pooped dog. They are dog zealots. And so what happened is that team came together of people that really understood the market and understood what Colin was really trying to create and got behind it. And those are the types of teams that come together on Gusher. They're not transactional. They're people that really get what you're doing, whatever it is. So let me ask you this. I mean, because, you know, dog food person here, you know, he, yeah. gets, he gets some pretty big players. Like, you Absolutely. know, if I, if I had a dog food idea, I wouldn't even know where to start looking for those big players, right? Like, sure. I mean, there are people that have run 50 million, $100 million companies. I mean, you know, certainly those would be great people to partner with. However... Where do I begin looking for him? Is that something that Gusher helped him to make those connections? Sure. We, we did even more than that. We got on a plane in the middle of winter and flew to Wisconsin and got a manufacturing deal done with them. So we do that type of thing. We actually really get involved. But just like Colin, just like the process I said before with that one plus one equals done, it was getting that first person on. He, I, I even remember right now, it was literally uh, his food uh, his uh, food chemistry engineer, his whatever the heck it was, the formulator. That's the correct term. The formulator that come on, came on board, he just had a, a shorthand. And so that then led to the chief marketing officer who understood the branding. That led to the creative director. That led to the packaging designer. That led, and so on and so forth. And then that led just basically to the whole process and the dominoes start taking off. That's how it happens. That's amazing. That's amazing when you can connect people like that. Um, so you said there's three parts. There was create, there was recruit, where one plus one equals done. Sure. What was the third part? Sure, develop and launch. So okay. develop is really, and it can be different things for different companies. If it's a dog food company, they're physically developing a product, that first version. Uh, but we don't believe in, in minimum viable products. We believe in market viable products. So the point of Gusher is not to test. The point of Gusher is you bring in these people that are able to leapfrog generational development so that you have a market viable product from the start, from the very beginning. And that's really bringing in the expertise of others that allows you to go ahead and do that. So he went ahead, the teams got together, you know, we walked Colin through how to interact with the teams, what to do. Uh, but really at that stage, they're having uh, with the teams, they either gel or they don't. And so when they start gelling, they start taking off and becoming their own living thing. And they don't really need gusher until emergencies come or until next stages. Wow, that's really good. You know, I really understand the pieces that you're talking about because once you become a franchise, you know, you start thinking, you know, what do I need? Do yeah. I need marketing? Do I need the sales team? Do I need the franchise developers, the ones that exactly. truly know how that I should build this company and build this infrastructure, you know? So I like that develop and launch aspect. I want to go back, like, let's say that I'm a listener right now. And right. I'm listening well, Overcomer Nation. And you're somebody with an idea and you're like, wow, this sounds really cool. I mean, this is like a way for me to partner with the right people, get my idea off the ground, especially once I'm in the, you know, create stage and I, I got my vision and now I'm going to be in the pitch stage. And, you know, sure. I get one plus one equals done. Um, you mentioned something earlier on the call and you said, you know, really, we would advise people to um, be a corporation. Yes. Now, do you, should they come to you before they structure their business so that you can advise them on how to, you know, set that up? Like, is that something that you do as well? 
we don't have to le- do the legal aspects. So we don't act as their attorney per se, but corporation and the formations of it, I'm going to say this in a very simplistic way, although it's not necessarily simplistic. It, it's not hard to do. Uh, literally, a, a person can go ahead and DIY an incorporation in about five to 10 minutes. It's not hard. Now, we have fundamental things that we show founders, like we think they should have uh, 1 million or 10 million authorized shares. We think it should be in Delaware or, or Nevada or things like that. The par value, we walk them through it, explain them everything else, but we don't do it for them. Uh, there's tons of companies that do it, or a person can incorporate themselves uh, very simply, very inexpensively. Like I think it's $89 or something in Delaware, but we don't do that for them. We will help it, help them with it, but we don't actually do the incorporation. But the incorporation, anything that you do, even if it's wrong, okay, this is what people don't understand about forming a corporation. It can always be modified literally just by a paper filing. So if you needed additional shares, you can modify it. If you need to reduce it in some way, you can modify it. Everything can always be modified with a corporation. Yeah, so let me just, uh, you know, for the novice out there, you know, I'm looking at this list of things that I can be as I form my business. I can be a LLC, a limited liability corporation. I can be an S corporation where I'm an employee. I can be a C corporation. Um, You know, what, what works best? Uh, when we're talking about setting people up? Sure. For Gusher, what works best is a C-Corp. And let me explain why. So if you're dealing with an S-Corp, an S-Corp and a C-Corp are a tax election. All right. They're not really forming a corporation. They're a tax election. So the reason we go with C-Corp is because there's no limit to the number of investors you have. And when you deal with startups that we're dealing with, they're typically not, let's say, a lifestyle business. They're not something that they're looking to make a quarter million or a million or even two million. We're shooting for the stars with the deals that we do. Okay, We're there setting it up and structuring it for the big time. That's really why we do what we do. Okay, So with other companies, like if you're going to have something with a, a small shareholder base from the very beginning, well, then an LLC may make sense. Or if you're going to have tight control uh, and a limited amount of investors, an S-Corp would make sense. But if you're doing a standard corporation where you're looking to have maybe a larger investor base, if you're a foreign founder, like you're founding it, you have to have a C-Corp bringing in the investors. You can't do an S-Corp or LLC. It just makes no sense. So it just really, for us, it makes sense for our companies to have a C-Corp. That's all it is. Okay. All right. So uh, how does it work when I first make contact with Gusher and I say, you know, hey, I, I have this idea. Uh, you know, I listened to the Overcomer podcast and you sure. know, I got this idea and I, I haven't had the funding. And so um, I'm initially brought into the create stage or or do I first learn what it means to work with Gusher? Like, for example, yeah. you know, some well, of the- well, this is what it is. It's pretty easy. All they do is log into Gusher, Gusher.co. It doesn't cost anything. All right. It doesn't cost anything at all. And they just start building their startup meaning that they're going to create their pitch. Uh, They're going to go ahead and figure out the roles and think of what they need. And we have our system just walks them through it automatically. So usually we're not interacting with them at that stage. But what instantly happens, as soon as they create a startup draft, we're in communication with them. So we're meeting with them. We're doing kind of like what you and I are doing face-to-face. And we go over everything with them. We cover the do's, the don'ts, uh, the ins, the outs, what works best, what they're looking to do, and really hold their hand through every step of the way. Okay. Um, so uh, what? how does Gusher get paid? 
Sure, in equity. So we actually have equity in the companies, but only if they succeed, meaning that we get nothing in the companies from the very beginning. So if they're able to launch their company successfully using Gusher, we're a 5% equity player in their company. So we get 5% equity in their company, but the point is to bring about a million to $2 million worth of expertise to get that company off the ground. And we get very involved in our deals, very involved. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure, you know, that's a great reward for you if you're able to help people do it. And is there right. a bit of an application process uh, where like, you know, you're like, well, you know, we're gonna have to, uh, you know, we're gonna have to put in some work to bring all this together. So do I, uh, do I look at some companies and say, oh, I don't know, you know, you got an idea for uh, tacos and that's already been done. <laughs> you know, like, I don't well, know. So, well, listen to this. Okay. And I kid you not. We keep something called the J score on companies. The J score is an internal rating systems, 10 point must, et cetera. And we, we decide uh, pretty much, uh, we don't tell people this, but we track as to whether or not we think they're going to be successful. Okay. So after a couple of years of doing this, we realized it's total bunk. Uh, we literally let the market decide. We don't sit there going ahead and qualifying companies. What it really comes down to is that one plus one equals done that I talked about earlier. If they're able to get that one person on, and literally just one person on, those are the companies that end up succeeding. Those are the companies that are able to get a full team to go ahead and typically get funding for later stages that are able to launch into the marketplace and become self-sustaining without a penny. And those are the companies we spend a tremendous amount of time with. So it's not an application process. It's not popping on and pitching us. What it is is pitching to the market. That is the only validation that counts the market mechanism. The market will let you know very quickly whether or not you have something and let you know as a founder very quickly if you're able to go ahead and recruit and say the right things in the right way to get people interested in your company. Wow, this is really interesting because this is really one of those times in life where I've never found a better example where your network is your net worth. Right? Yes. You know, if you can really connect with the right people, share your idea, you know, you can build a tremendous company. Like, you know, the one you mentioned earlier is already into the eight figures, right? You know, exactly. And growing crazy per month. Uh, I can't wait to hear more of your success stories, but I am curious, you know, how does Gusher develop uh, such a network base that people can connect with? You know, I, I mean, how have you established that? Sure. Well, first of all, we developed our community from the beginning as we were ideating, which is really what we teach the founders. So at the point of ideation, like when a, a person comes up with an idea for a company, they have to think to themselves, how do you start building that community? How do you get people involved with that from the beginning? So we did that from the beginning. Right now, our community is about 30,000 people. It's a tight knit group of people. But also think of this. As a company comes in, and let's say it's a new idea, um, and I'll give you an example uh, of something that was exactly like this. Uh, a new idea, it's something not necessarily people don't even know about or have, let's say, an existing interest in. Well, how do you get people interested in that? So if I have something that is a software for to make cardiac arrests have a better outcome in the emergency room, you can't put in your database, well, cardiac arrests for the emergency room, people that are interested in this and get yourself a viable team. It doesn't work like that, okay? But what happened is uh, this gentleman, Atif Faruqi, is a top uh, ER doctor up at Rutgers in, in New Jersey. He went ahead and had an idea for a cardiac uh, software that would actually be in the emergency room to give people a better outcome, a better result if they're having a heart attack. 
that's code for they don't die. Okay. So he came up with a different software. So we put it up on Gusher. Here's crickets. Here's nothing. Then we figured out who his vested interest market was. Who are the people that have the most to gain from the success or failure of his company? His Vim. Okay. So who his Vim was. We go ahead and target his Vim. Sure enough, within two weeks, he starts having a team and it starts growing. Now, I asked you earlier regarding the dog food company who you thought would make the, uh, those team members, okay? You got it right. This one's a little bit harder, okay? This is a software for the cardiac arrest to have a better outcome in the emergency room. Who do you think made up his initial team, his team that went ahead and got it off to the races? Who do you think made that up? Well, I got to I got to believe that, you know, people that have a vested interest in hospitals that don't uh, that have lower death rates, you know, are going to be the, you know, the board, the hospital administrators, the things such as that. But that's just where my mind goes. You know? My mind instantly went to people that had heart attacks. OK, okay. So, okay. yeah, that's good. We'd both be wrong. We would be flat dead wrong. So here's the way it played out. OK, so his first team member, uh, the person that joined his company, his mom was a cardiac nurse. So he spoke the lingo from the time that he was out of the womb. The second person had programmed software for medical devices. Third person had sold SaaS systems to HMOs, and then the initial doctors, people, involvement, nurses, everything else started getting involved. And that's the way it happens. So when I say one plus one equals done, that's the way it rolled out. But all these people had an understanding of the industry. They had an understanding of the market. They had an understanding of the playing field. Mm-hmm. Now, you said who his VIM was. You mentioned VIM. I, I, I suppose that's an acronym. Vested interest market. That's what I was explaining. So who has the most to gain? His VIM, uh, who has the most to gain from the success or failure of the company? Very good. Very good. So sure. let's talk about some of these success stories. You know, people come to you with an idea. You know, the dog food one is very impressive, you know, because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you have to fail to succeed, right? You know, so. No Round one, he comes out and, you know, he fails, and but he, uh, he gets back up and he gets the right people, people that have dogs or dog parents, and they're all in love with the product. And then now they're into the eight figures and growing by 30% each month. I, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Can you share with us another story of uh, somebody that came to Gusher with an idea that... Uh, yeah, sure. Th think of it this way. Michael Ruse was one of our, our, our currently really great entrepreneur uh, during COVID. And I don't know if I should say this, but Michael got laid off uh during covid and and really was trying to figure out what to do and so michael started a software company all right so he starts working on the software company and we're talking 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 but occasionally he dropped an idea for another company but the wild thing is when he dropped this other idea for a company he would smile and i said michael i go every time you talk about this other idea that is kind of sitting in the back of your head you're smiling and you're enjoying it why the f are you starting a software company so I convinced him to go ahead and start the second company. Sure enough, it's called Tailhand. And Tailhand won product of the year last year. Uh, it's a device to go ahead and turn any pickup truck into basically a workstation. So when you're on the back 40 or for farms or plumbers or whatever it may be, uh, you can go ahead and have a surface uh, in a workstation uh, from the back of your truck anywhere. So it converts into any truck and it won product of the year last year. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. You know it makes me think that you have created an opportunity. You know, we hear about people like Richard Branson or Tony Robbins or these serial entrepreneurs that are just, you know, they're involved in hundreds of companies, right? Hundreds of companies. You've created a way for 
uh, most of the time how business ownership works is, you know, you decide you're going to own a business and you have to struggle as a business owner. Some people will say you, you need to struggle for five years before you can see your business be successful, you know, sure. different industries, different amounts. But because of that struggle, you may have other ideas, but you just can't ever invest the money or the resources to get it off the ground. Now, somebody that really is entrepreneurial minded, you know, somebody that has a lot of these great ideas, you've created a way for them to become Richard Branson without the money. They can Absolutely. Get the partners and the resources. You know? Because you got to understand that, that really the creation of a company doesn't take money. The creation of a company takes people. It takes relationships. Now, that doesn't mean that you can run a $50 million company on performance-based equity. You can't really necessarily do that. But what you can do is start. What you can do with performance-based equity is get to the launch. And you don't have to be a genius at this. I mean, we've got, uh, I think she's going on 80 years old, uh, a woman in South Africa, Kitty, phenomenal. Uh, Kitty came up with a new consumer good uh, for females, a, a new way to go ahead and eliminate wrinkles, this type of material and everything else. Really, really cool. Uh, got patents on and everything else. And she just got to deal with QVC. And she's 80 years old in South Africa, hasn't spent a penny. All right. We do video calls every now and then. I hear from her once every six months. Uh, but she was able to get that company off the ground. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, she's an 80-year-old. She doesn't even necessarily know how to use a computer fluently. We've had 20-year-old college students right now uh, that develop new type of drug developing uh, uh, delivery systems, and they're going to clinical trials. I mean, that's crazy stuff. I mean, they don't, they're not sitting around with tens of millions of dollars. They're just doing the business and getting going. Wow, wow. Because I was going to ask you how much you think that you've reduced on a percentage level the amount of uh, cost that it takes for somebody to start a business. You know, is it that, well, we can reduce it down to where they're only going to need 20% of the money that they would need, but you're talking about somebody that still hasn't spent zero. I'm talking about zero because fundamentally, and the businesses that I've built have required almost zero or zero to get to the 10 million in sales volume. And that's regardless of industry. And that's one thing you see when you've done a lot of businesses. So if it's a manufacturing uh, firm, you don't need a damn thing. If it's a consumer goods company, you don't need a damn thing. If it's a software company, you don't need a damn thing. And then people say, well, how are you supposed to get the manufacturing? How are you supposed to get the manufacturing runs? How are you supposed to go ahead and, and distribute and market and do all these different things? And what people don't understand is that, and this is going to sound kind of strange, and it may be out of the purview of this podcast, okay? Uh, but literally, you don't have to have a product to sell it. Right. And people fundamentally don't see that or get that. But we have sold products into large chains like Walmart, like Target, uh, like Wegmans, Publix, Kroger, whatever the heck it is, Safeway, Acme, you name it, uh, without actually having the product. So, you know, there are ways to go ahead and you contact the buyers, you develop a, a one page sell sheet and you set up the sales to see if there's some interest there. Only when there's interest, only when there's sales validation, do you develop the product. And in our case, only when you have the team validation, do you go ahead and go forward and create the company. So you don't spend a penny on anything, zero, nada, until you have the green light. But even once you have the green light, guess what? Manufacturers will back you. Guess what? You can get distribution and, and marketing and everything else with influencers, uh, with social media platforms, with publications, because they all have excess inventory and you can do it for zero. Zero. That's awesome. 
And it sounds like in those cases of manufacturing that the purchase pays for the production, right? I mean, that's really what we're talking about, right? Yeah, or what ends up happening, the purchases are proof of concept that the orders are legitimized and therefore you have third-party validation. So if you're able to get a purchase order from, from Walgreens or CVS or, or, or um, Walmart, yeah, that's definitely something that can be parlayed directly into the cash to act as the actual manufacturing cost. But also if you've got 100, 200 consumer orders sitting there, the deal's done. I mean, a manufacturer will do the deal based upon just seeing order flow. And there's tons of manufacturers. Wow. So, you know, no more, no longer do I need to go to uh, Shark Tank to get my product off the ground. I go to Gusher. That, I, 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 Shark Tank is expensive capital. Uh, and venture yeah. capitalists are expensive capital. And the chances of those deals happening are just rare. I mean, it's less than one in 700 uh, to one in a thousand minimum. Uh, with Gusher, you've got an 80% chance. So long as you can get a team, you can get out the gates and be, create a company that is at least self-sustaining or attracts larger scale capital. That's awesome. So Overcomer Nation, if you're on this podcast and you're listening and you're like, man, I've always wanted to go into business because I've had this great idea, but I never thought that I could get off the ground. You know, here's your chance. You know, I hope you're tuning in. Um, Chris, this has been such a, a great episode and we've covered so many different pieces. Um, if you if there was kind of like an overall, uh, you know, gusher, you know, two to three minute elevator uh, speech, you know, like what would you really want our listeners that are the potential entrepreneurs out there to understand most about gusher? I keep it really simple. I, I'd say the following money is not a barrier. You can literally get started on anything today. And it doesn't, you don't even have to have a solution. The point as a founder of a company is not to come up with the solution. The point is to identify the problem, get people together that are smarter than you, that can solve the problem, and then launch the company. It's as simple as that. You don't need money. You need people and a platform to do it on. That's where we come in. That's awesome. That's awesome. Again, that network is your net worth. And if you can just get connected with the right people, you can get an idea off the ground and really, really put a dent in this universe. And really listen to that internal voice. I mean, I find that that is the hardest barrier for a person to overcome. You know, you talk about adversity a lot on your podcast and you talk a lot about the things that, that people need to overcome. Everything from addiction, depression, circumstances, prison, you name it, you've covered it. But I think that the hardest thing for most people to overcome is the voices in their head telling them they can't do it, they shouldn't do it, they wouldn't do it, they're not good enough, because I think those are the battles that are fought every damn day. And almost always there's just one little voice that's saying, I can do it. And you've got to take care of that one little voice. You have to feed that one little voice. You have to listen to that one little voice, because that one little voice that's your soul that is fighting to get out. And that literally is everything that you should be doing, listening to that little voice. Wow, that is so good. Wow, that is, uh, that is something that we are definitely going to repost. Uh, Chris, thanks for sharing those words of inspiration. Sure. Awesome. And, you know, this is coming from somebody whose products are sold in 148 countries. I think that you probably had to overcome uh, that voice a couple of times in your life to get to where you're at today every damn day, but it's like a muscle. Uh, you flex it and you just, you get better the more that you train it. Uh, you know, it's still to this day, if I'm doing a speaking engagement or something, I get scared like crazy and I've done a lot of it, 
I mean, and I get afraid. I mean, literally afraid where I'm sitting there, fight or flee. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm still feeling this. Uh, and then you just step out onto the stage and you do what needs to be done. So, you know, you just, you're able to overcome it. The fear, the voices, the whatever, they never go away. It's just you as a person get stronger. You get tougher. You got to keep nurturing that voice that's coming from your soul. I, Absolutely. I love that advice. I love that advice. All right. Well, how can people uh, follow you, get more of you? Uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about gusher.com. So definitely we want people to go there. Uh, gusher.co but yeah gusher, gusher. Yeah, no problem they, they can just go to gusher.co i mean i'm easily found everywhere find me on linkedin or whatever it may be but gusher.co you can reach me directly uh, g-u-s-h-e-r.co c-o and i'd be happy to help you or one of our team members would be really happy to help you awesome chris thanks so much for being on the show today thanks for having me travis Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!